see you here tonight, Sunday night. I like preaching Sunday nights. You're a good crowd. You laugh at my jokes. Ah, see, just right there. So uh, you're not super serious. And I always think to myself, people come to church on Sunday night, you're here because you want to be. Not because you have to be, not because it's your habit. It's a good habit to be in, though, to come Sunday morning. But uh, it's just because you're here because you're expecting God. Who's expecting that God's going to do something? That's what I pray for. I hope I preach well, but in the end, if, if I preach well and God doesn't move, I don't care. If I preach hopeless but God moves, that's a good thing. So we're looking for God to move. But the foundation of my message tonight is essentially some of the words that we just sang in Waymaker. And I'm going to ask the band to sing that again. You can stay seated, but as you feel faith start to rise up in your spirit, I want you to stand. Because it's a declaration song. It's a, it's a fantastic song. It's saying God is a way maker. God is able to, there's nothing that is too much for God to be able to do. And that's the foundation in which I'm going to speak my message. Until you actually understand that foundation, you can't really make sense of everything else that I'm going to say. So I'm going to ask the band to say that. As we sang that tonight, there was this sense of faith just came over this room. And so I want you to open up your spirit and I want you to start sitting but as it starts to hit your spirit, I want you to stand. I'm not going to sing because i got the mic on. No one wants that. I want to hear Rachel. That is who you are. It's who he is. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Oh, it's who he is. You are way maker. God is our provider. He is who He is. He's our comforter. He's our God. And there is nothing that is impossible. There is nothing that is impossible with Him. Jesus, we welcome You here. Holy Spirit, take what I'm about to say. Make it life. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can take your seats. You know, that's the foundation. God is a promise keeper. He is a way maker. Our foundation today is that God rules. Not the world, not man, not your boss, not your parents, not your bank balance, not your doctor's report. God is in charge. What God says will happen. And we need to understand that if we're about to understand what I want to say tonight. So our theme this year is declare and proclaim. So last Tuesday morning, as I was just doing my devotions as I do, and I'm reading Jeremiah at the moment, so I just kind of like read slowly, trying to look at the meanings of words, trying to look at 
what it was saying, who was listening to it, try and imagine it and picture it as I see it. So it just takes a long time to read any book because sometimes I might just read half a chapter in, you know, almost an hour because I'm just looking at every part of it. I'm just answering questions and looking at different things. And so you've got to be pretty happy for me when on Tuesday morning I'm reading Jeremiah 4 verse 5 and it says this, declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem. So I'm going, oh, there it is, our theme. God's listening. All right? I'm supposed to listen to God. No, God's listening to me. He's going, declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem. And so we're not really going to talk about what to declare. It's basically just saying, you know, God's, uh, God's got together. We get together, there's safety together. We can overcome if we get together. So that's basically what they're saying. But I want to talk about declare and proclaim. What does it actually mean? What, what do those words mean to us from a biblical perspective? What does those words mean in the way that they were intended when the writer wrote them down there, all the back, way back there in uh, Jeremiah's time? And, and, and I really got excited because I thought, I'm now not just going to get what I think. I'm not just going to put my kind of take on, on what I think declare and proclaim is. I'm going to be able to say what the Bible says. What did God say when I want you to declare, when I want you to proclaim? And I, and I sometimes love that about the Bible. What it does is it gives me clarity. I'm able to see something for what it is. And in a moment, I'm going to get to that because I want you to feel that way about the Bible, that you can read something in the Word and it can answer a question that you have in your heart. It can answer a query. It can answer a questioning. It can answer a doubting. It can answer a wondering. And I want to say that when you see the answer to a wondering, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I recently had it very, very clearly in regard to the pandemic and all the stuff that happens with the pandemic. And it's almost like the pandemic's gone, right? Because all these other things in the news. Last night I went to the football and it was just great being in a crowd. And AFL is a, just a great game. Right? A live AFL game just kills NRL. Sorry, I just said it. It's just the truth. Get over it. All right. So, you know, it's been a tough time leading the church. Come back, come back. All right. <laughs> leading the church through the pandemic. You know, one moment I'd have someone telling me that I had to get the church marching in the streets that all the restrictions were one world government overreach and soon the death of the church was coming because the vaccine was the mark of the beast. All right? Then I'd have someone else telling me very clearly, like, as a church, we aren't following the restrictions properly. We're all breaking the law and we obviously don't love people and we're very happy for people to catch COVID and die and we want to kill granny. Right? So basically I had those two kind of people coming at me. Right? All the time, you see my email list, it's, it's incredible. Right? Messenger, oh my goodness. Right? So, so it's been an interesting time to say the least. So obviously as a pastor, you, you worry about these things. What are we doing? What am I saying? Where am I going to do? Oh, all these different things. People leaving, people coming, all sorts of things are going on. And God gave me clarity. Just in the last little while, God's given me clarity. And that's got nothing to do with my word. I'm just going to tell you what clarity he gave me. See, he gave me a scripture. Because I want to get clarity, not from the latest TikTok video, not from the latest someone said this. I actually want to get clarity from the Word of God. I actually want to get clarity. What does the Bible say about these things? And then I realized that we're talking about a pandemic, but in the Bible there was all sorts of other things that people were talking about, and it's just the same principle. It's just the same principle just done in a different way. And so he gave me something out of the Word that's going to help me all the rest of my pastoring days. And to be honest, I wish you'd given me like 20 years ago because it would just save me a lot of pain, right? But I understand it now. See, this is what happens when you make the Bible your text for life, right? I, I'm going to listen to what the Bible has to say about something, not all the other things, right? And because eventually 
if you're listening to the Word of God, eventually as you study it, look at it, dig into it long enough, you'll find gold and you'll find the answer to whatever it is that you're wondering about. It's a text for life. It's something that can bring clarity and strength and peace and joy. So I, I did a personality test once. And in this thing, I, I don't really believe in it. I, I think half of them are just like, you know, I'm a Gemini, I'm a Cancer, I'm a this, I'm a that, right? So I don't really kind of, but this one was fun, right? And, uh, and, and what it says is my personality is that I come up with truisms, right? Now what happens is that I see principles in life and I see patterns in life. And then from those things, I base my thoughts and I place great, great weight on those patterns or on those principles. And so therefore, if I actually think something, I think it. You're not going to change my mind. And uh, some of my staff would probably say, that's very true, Pastor Mark. You know, I've never actually been a great book learner. I've never been very good at exams and, and doing all of those different things. I've never been good at, at translating those type of knowledge, but I've been a pretty good life learner. I've been someone pretty good at that's allowed my experiences and the experience of others to be my teacher. And then I've applied those principles and I've applied those patterns to my life. And so this scripture that I'm about to read became the foundation of one of these principles that I, that I feel I have an understanding of right now that will help me pastor in whatever the next thing is. So let me, and I pray that it helps you tonight and helps you understand a little bit about how we as a church navigated through this whole pandemic season. And it's from 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, vaxxed or unvaxxed, mask or no mask, black or white, Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, whether Easter is a pagan festival or whether it's a Christian one, whether a Christian can have a demon or not, whether you can lose your salvation or not, whether you should be married or unmarried, all those things. The kingdom of God isn't about the things of this world, but the kingdom of God is about righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. And if your joy and your peace and your righteousness is taken away, then you're not entering in to the kingdom of God. It ain't the kingdom. The enemy has always tried throughout history to bring in things that seem important that actually in the scheme of the kingdom aren't that important. Yes, they may be important in the things of the kingdom of life, but in the kingdom of God, they ain't that important. Here in the book of Romans, where it comes from, this chapter 14, right? It says this, right? It says basically it was people who ate vegetables were looked down upon by those who ate anything they wanted, right? So if you look at Romans 14, that's what was going on. So if you just ate vegetables, you're a vegetarian, mm -mm, we look down on you. Some people have that thing today even, <laughs> don't they, Danny, right? But I'm very kind. I, I'm very kind to Danny, right? Or in another place in Romans 14, it talks about one person says, this day, we need to celebrate this day. This day is very important. Jesus would have us to celebrate this day. It's, it's a wonderful day. And someone else is going, I couldn't care less about that day. Isn't it? Who cares about that day? I honor Jesus every day. So who, who cares about those different things? So they were fighting over those things. And so Paul says, it's not about eating or drinking. It's not about one day over and another. Kingdom of God isn't about those things. If you go to the book of Acts, you'll see that they had all sorts of arguments all the time over things that some said were really important and to another thing, to another person just wasn't the time of day. So if you have a look at in the book of Acts, you'll see they had arguments over whether you should be circumcised or not. You have some people thinking, yeah, that's very important, right? Other people going, ah, who cares, right? Some people say, do we eat food that's offered to idols, right? You know who goes to a Chinese restaurant and you got that little dancing cat with his arm? You're gonna eat there, right? Some people would say you shouldn't. Right? That's a little idol that, that's there. Don't, you, you'll starve in Cambodia. Right? Like you, <laughs> you won't eat anywhere. Right? Like, it's true. Right? So, but to another, it's just, it's just not important. You know, some of you, like, they'll have a big argument over whether you can have a steak that was rare that had blood in it. 
or whether he couldn't eat a rest day, he just had to do it real well done, you know, all those things. When Paul was writing to Timothy saying, I want you to set up the church there at Ephesus, he goes, you know, the, the argument of that day was genealogies. It was about, oh, I, I'm, I'm of a really good family. Apparently people were making up, you know, different things. Like my family, like you can take my family way back to Solomon. They like, knew, you don't even know who your dad is. Right? Does it make sense? There's, there's these fights, there's this sense of pride over, over these different things. You know, that was the talk of the church back in Paul's day. Right? That, that's, when he's talking to Timothy, that was a, there, was a, there, was, there wasn't a pandemic. It wasn't the mark of the beast. It was, it was genealogies. It was food offered to idols. It was this day over that day. It was vegetables over meat. It was all of these different things. There's always been contentions. When Paul tells Titus and sends him to the church in Crete to start the church, this is what he says. He goes, avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. See, all that stuff is just unprofitable. You can have an opinion about it. It might be good dinner conversation, but in the end, it's not the kingdom of God. It is not what denotes all these different things. For the kingdom of God, let me read it to you again and I'll just add some of these things. Right? For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, disputes, genealogies, contentions, strivings, vax, unvax, mask, unmask, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're here to preach the kingdom of God. That's what we're here to do. We're here to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, that God loves you, that His Son Jesus Christ died for you, and that all your sin has been taken care of, and that you're welcome to heaven, and you sit as I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and confess it with your mouth, that He died on the, third, on, on, on the Calvary and rose again on the third day. That's what we're about. Preach the gospel. It's good news. All those different things. And whether there's this going on in the world or whether there's that going on in the world. And let me tell you, when that was written, the world is a whole worse place than what it is today. That was good news. That was good news. And so we need to get out there and say, I don't care of all those things that are going on. I'm going to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you why. Because everything else is based in pride. All those opinions and all those contentions always result in disunity and division and its foundation is pride. That's what's going on. It's, it's, it's pride. It's my knowledge is better than yours. I'm more worthy than you are. God loves me more than He loves you. I have special knowledge you don't know of. I have special privilege that you don't have. And it's pride. It's pride. And what it does, pride always brings division. We're going to be in the club that says we are for this, but no, I'm going to be in the club that is not for that. And so therefore, I'm willing to break my family time, willing to break my blood tie of being a Christian, of being a brother and sister, because you hold a different opinion than what I do. And so what we do is we base church then on our opinions and we get with people that follow our opinion rather than just care about the gospel. And, and what it does. So there are people who have left our church, there are people who have come to our church through this time for all different reasons. Think about it. My opinion is better than yours. That's what they're saying. My special knowledge is smarter than yours. You are less than me because you don't have the right knowledge. Therefore, I judge you. Therefore, God will obviously bless me more than you because you don't know what I know. Actually, I'm just better than you are and God knows it. See, that's what happens out of it. I start to judge others and therefore bring disunity. And wherever there's disunity, God can't command a blessing. Our job is to bring unity, right? Our job is not to bring disunity. It's God's job to bring the blessing. So that's what we need to do. So church, can we do that? Can we seek unity with brothers and sisters? We're always going to have different opinions, Right? There'll be different opinions about whether I should have worn a t-shirt tonight or whether I need a haircut. 
right? But it's not going to affect the whole kingdom. You know, it's not going to affect the kingdom. I was just looking at Trudy and Rachel on stage today, and I thought, don't sing too close to each other, because if your hair gets tangled up, that thing ain't ever going to come, right? Like, that's just amazing, right? Like, let's keep the main game. Sorry, I get easily distracted. Right. Let's keep the main game the main game and trust God for the rest. Now, for those of you who think we should have done more in some areas and less in some areas, I'd, I just want to say we've tried to steward the church towards the kingdom of God. So as the world gets crazier, we will keep our righteousness, we will keep our joy, we'll keep our peace in the Holy Ghost. To those of you who felt we didn't follow the guidelines to the letter, I would say our heart and our intention was to clearly and to follow as closely as possible, but also to allow the individual to make his decision. Did we always get it right? Probably not. But I think our hearts and intent were always pure and people orientated. So you see how the Word has framed my thinking. It's brought peace and joy into my spirit. I now have a principle and a pattern that I've observed so I can pastor in the future. And let me summarize it for you like this. As a leadership, Nina and I, as a pastor of a church, we are called to steward this church into its God-given destiny and not to pick sides on the latest issue of the day. And that's why we'll always take the middle road. And that's why I pretty much know we took the middle road this time because I had both sides coming at me, right? I actually know that. See, those things are all designed or used. Maybe I shouldn't use the word designed. They are used by the enemy to bring division and to, and to bring disunity. I'm actually surprised at the people you know, who have left our church because we didn't pick a side or pick the side that they wanted us to pick but that we just kept on preaching the kingdom of God and, and we preach the kingdom of God is that you can win and thrive no matter what the conditions are of the outside world because we live in a kingdom which stands atop the kingdom of God. And as we put the kingdom culture, as we put kingdom principle, as we put kingdom pattern into our lives, we're going to see whatever it is happen in our lives no matter what's going on in the world around us. Someone please say amen to that. Amen. So I just said all that because I just wanted to say it and this became a time to say it. Got nothing to do with my message. No declaring and proclaiming. It's just bringing some information. So let's go back to our scripture. Jeremiah 4 verse 5. Declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, blow the trumpet in the land, cry and gather together and say, assemble yourselves and let us go into the fortified city. So what are the biblical meanings for declare and proclaim? So as I said, I don't want to talk so much about this scripture. Basically what they're saying is that Nina's just mentioned me in her story, right? So she's on Instagram right now, all right? So uh, that's good. Did I get a good picture? <laughs> don't you do it. I can tell. Uh, I can tell. Uh, same. <laughs> I just outed you bad. That's it. I'll sleep in Jack's room tonight. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> all right, come on, come back. The word declare. Everyone say declare. Yeah. All right, the word declare is the Hebrew word nagad. Everyone say nagad. Yeah. And this is what it means. It means this, to be conspicuous, to tell, and to make known. It's to be conspicuous. I love that. Declaring is to be conspicuous. Your voice, your declaration means you cannot hide. Your declaration distinguishes you from everyone else about you. So when everyone in your workplace is bagging the boss, you're not. Your declaration distinguishes you and makes you conspicuous because you didn't enjoy them. You know, when everyone in your family is negative, and yet you find a way to honour your parents, that's conspicuous. You know, when one bad thing's happen after another, but you still find a way to praise God, that's conspicuous. When you failed at something, and yet you still speak with vision and faith, that's conspicuous. When everyone's following the latest theory, but you're able to keep declaring that God is in charge of your life, 
that's conspicuous. See, your declaration makes known what's really going on, whether good or bad. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and, and when you leave, you just feel kind of like dirty, feel polluted? And it's not because you've spoken vulgarly or inappropriately. It's just because there's been gossip. There's, someone's called good, bad or, or bad, good. They're happy to tell you the latest story about someone. Someone's just dumped all their negativity on your lap. And they, they, they presented a view of life that has no hope and gives no space for God to move. And whenever you speak with someone like that, it always sits heavy in your spirit. And you walk away from a conversation like that, like, ooh, I, I, I didn't like that. There's, there's no hope that God could actually intervene. You know, I, I remember leaving a bad place once. I've told you all the different things that we needed to leave. And people from that place would ring me afterwards I'd left. And they would tell me the stories of what was going on since I'd left and at first I'd listen to them and I'd try and commiserate with them thinking that a shoulder to cry on would actually help them. But it didn't help them. All it did was make their pit deeper. It, it, instead of brushing off and, and of their talk and presenting a way that was different, instead of pointing them to heaven, pointing them to a God who is able, no matter what the circumstance, to bring change, to bring life, to bring hope, because that's the gospel. It's good news. That is good news to be found in any circumstance if you go to the right source. Instead of doing that, I, I thought I'd just, I'll give them this opportunity to vent. That'll help them. But listening to them only made it worse for them. See, yeah, they're complaining their grumbling, their accusations, their lament was actually their declaration. That's what they were declaring about their future. He's this, she's that, that'll never change. I've got this, that's not fair, that wasn't right. And all they are doing is creating their future of those negative things. And, and what happens, letting them vent to me and talk to me isn't helping them. It's actually making it stronger that, that negative things are going to happen to them. You know, I remember sitting with, a, with Nina one day, and we were talking to a lady. And this lady just spoke to us about her husband, then about her kids, then about her past, then about her mum, then about her job, then about her church involvement, then about her health, then about her money. And it was hopeless in every circumstance. And I am getting edgier and edgier and edgier. And eventually I just left. I just said, I've got to go. Because I just couldn't deal with it because I just knew I was going to blow up. And I, that wasn't going to help anyone. Then she had another thing to complain about. Right? But uh, uh, <laughs> you don't get your promised land if you stay in the grumble wilderness. You don't get it. You don't enter into the promises of God if you just live in your grumpy complaining of how bad it actually is. And that's what happened. These generation who got freed from slavery in Egypt never entered into the promise because of grumbling, because of complaining. They created their own future. See, Nina would point out positive things. She would say, but you look at this. But what happened is in her eyes, they weren't anything. I would try and point out a possible solution but there was just no hope. Nothing in her eyes was ever going to be enough. See, this lady was conspicuous in a bad way. So I want to ask you today, I want to ask you the question, right? Like, what, how conspicuous are you? You know, was, there was a time I, I went and visited, I had to, a lady, I just take, left the youth group. And uh, I was, it was one of the first month or so of pastoring adults. It was many years ago, and you would know this couple, Pastor Fred, Sandy and Lloyd Rollins. You know them. And uh, Sandy had met Lloyd on the mission field in the Congo. They'd got married. They'd come back to Australia, and she'd got pregnant. And uh, it was their first child. And uh, what happened is that uh, she had the child, but somehow her amniotic fluid, I think that's what it's called, went into her bloodstream, and it was very, very dark, and it was very, very horrible, and it looked like that she was going to die. I went to intensive care. It's the first time I'd ever been to an intensive care. I went with an older pastor, and he said to me, he goes, uh, 
have you ever been in intensive care before? I go, nah, nah. And he goes, oh, it's pretty confronting. And I go, you'll be right. I'll be fine. What are you talking about? I'm, come on. Right? I walked in there and looked like this lady had just done 15 rounds with Mike Tyson and had lost. Right? And, and was not doing very well. She had tubes and monitors. And it was just, I, I literally just started crying. Right? I literally had no response other than just a cry. I, and luckily, the older pastor was there to bring some <laughs> measure of ministry into that circumstance. So the doctor called me over and he said, Lloyd, her husband, is in a chapel right now. He goes, his wife is going to die. So you need to go to the chapel and you need to prepare him for the fact that his wife is going to die. It's pretty full on, isn't it? She went to have a baby, right? And so I'm like, all right. So I don't know what to do. It's not like, this is a very serious thing. And I go into the chapel and Lloyd's there. He's, he's weeping. He's crying. He knows it's serious. He, he knows that it's, it's, it's not going to be so good. And, and he just said, you know, the Lord spoke to me. And he gave me this scripture. He says, Lamentations 3 verse 22, Though the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. In the midst of the worst situation you could possibly imagine, he decided to believe a narrative. And he said to me, he goes, Pastor Mark, if Sandy lives, I'm going to give God praise. And if Sandy dies, I'm going to give God praise. Whatever happens, God is still good. God is still faithful. God is still with me. And I want to say here in a magnificent attitude, I'd like to tell you that she pulled through. She's living today and right now they're in the Congo and they're doing awesome, doing fantastic work. That is a good testimony. You see, you can't think of a worse situation, but he had a testimony, he had a confession, a declaration, which is what God was saying. So who you are and whose you are is conspicuous by the words that you declare. So the question we need to ask tonight is this. Is your declaration, your language, your talk, your mouth making you conspicuous in a good way or in a bad way? And to be honest, it doesn't matter whether you realise it or not because it's what other people hear. That's your declaration. It's not your intent that makes you conspicuous. It's your declaration. It's what you have to say. And I want to tell you, sometimes just don't say anything. <laughs> hey, what about that? Proverbs 17, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips. He's deemed intelligent. See, if you're in a situation where you can't see God, where it's all bad, where you feel completely overwhelmed, then maybe the best declaration is no declaration until you go to God for his declaration. And that leads me perfectly into what proclamation means. Remember our foundation scripture? Jeremiah 4 verse 5. Declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem. So the word proclaim is the word samar. Everyone say it with me. Samar. There it is. Samar. And I, I think the proper uh, uh, pronunciation is swamar. Like the Israeli euros. Right? So... Um, that's what it's called, Swarmers. Nice. All right. We're going to Jerusalem next year in March. If you want to come, we want you to come with us. All right. So to hear, to listen, and obey. That's what it means. To proclaim means that you hear something from God, then you listen to what God said, and then you obey what he's asked you to do. See, it's body, soul, and spirit. Hearing is when your body hears through its ears. Listening is when your soul connects to what's being said and it becomes personal. And obeying is when your spirit believes it 
and then you actually do it. It produces action. Think about this. Sometimes I'm watching TV, and Nina will go, Dina's ready. I hear her. Right? But sometimes I don't listen to her. I stay seated. I've heard, but I haven't listened. But sometimes I start to listen, but then I decide, you know what, I'll just wait till the commercial. I'll watch another five minutes. I've heard, I've listened, but I've yet to obey. But when I come out of my chair and then come to the table, that's what I've proclaimed because now I've heard, I've listened, and now I've obeyed. And that's what I find interesting. If I'm going to make a declaration, I first have to have a proclamation. A proclamation comes before the declaration because it involves a third party. It involves hearing and listening to God and then obeying. So proclaiming is an action. It's a response to hearing and listening to God. And that's what makes proclamation and declaration different from just positive speaking. Because you can just hear and sit here and say, you're just say, just speak positively. And obviously, I don't think that can hurt, but that is not what I'm saying. Positive speech can't be bad, but it's not declaration. It's not proclamation. It's just wishing. It's just hoping. Because it doesn't come from God. That comes from yourself. And then you're responsible to make it happen. It's like the, the engine, you know, we used to learn about in school. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Right? You, if you, it's kind of like if I say it enough, I, it, it might come true. But it's just wishing. I'm just going to go in the lottery enough and one day I might win it. Right? I, I wish I win it. I wish I win it. I wish I win it. It doesn't do anything because it's just self-energy. But when we declare and proclaim... We actually are saying we're getting heaven's help. We're getting heaven's help. We're getting God's spirit. And because of that, we're able to produce faith. Wishing positive thinking doesn't move the hand of God. It might move you to some action, but it doesn't bring heaven and earth together. Declaring and proclaiming brings heaven and earth together. I've got a problem in earth, so I go to heaven and then I bring those two together and what is agreed on earth will happen, what is agreed on heaven will happen on earth. That's what's happening. You're agreeing with what God said. See, when you hear from God, bang, faith is produced and faith pleases God. So you can hear from God and then you listen, which means you connect to what you've heard and then that gives you the power to obey and see come to pass whatever it is that God has actually said. So when you hear again and again and again from the pulpit, declare and proclaim, realize it's so much more than just positive thinking, positive speaking. It's bringing heaven's power, heaven's will to earth. And it's bringing God's intervention into all that seems hopeless in life. Maybe the band could come. I want you to think about it like this. Sometimes life is horrible. To sit down and say, you know, like, after my mum died, how are you going? Oh, it's great. Yes, yeah, fine. Everything's excellent. That's foolishness. That's a lie. It's not true. Right? When something terrible happens, you lose your job, and it's, oh, it's all great. Yep. It's fantastic. Oh, I don't mind. It's fine. No, it, it is horrible. Right? Sometimes life is unfair. There are unfairnesses that will happen to you. You will be overlooked when you are the better person. You will be accused of something that you didn't do. Someone that you've invested a lot of time into will betray you. Someone won't forgive you for the smallest thing and expect you to forgive them for the greatest thing. There's all those things that happen in life. That's real. You will go through a time where life is overwhelming. Don't care who you are. Don't care how spiritual you are. Don't care like if you pray every day at, at five hours. You are going to go through a time where life will smack you in the face where it's horrible, where it's not fair, where it's not right, where it's overwhelming, where you haven't got the internal capacity to deal with whatever it is that's going on. You talk to someone who's going through divorce, 
It's a terrible time. It's a massive thing that goes on in their life. Just say, oh, you'll be fine. You'll get over it. You'll be fine. A couple of weeks, you'll be all right. That's not, it's not going to help anyone. It's not going to help anyone. Just telling you to speak positive, that's not going to help. Speaking positive isn't going to change your bank balance. It's not going to heal your sickness. It's not going to make your marriage whole. It's not going to make your parents treat you with respect. Positive speaking won't change anything in real life. You might feel better for a time yourself, but it won't change anything. You actually need to hear from heaven. You need to listen to heaven's opinion. And then you need to obey whatever it is that God has said and declare that. If I just say, oh, it's all going to be great, it's all going to be great, but I haven't got a scripture. I haven't got something to, to, to put my foundation in, to, to stand upon. It's just positive thinking. But let me tell you, if I've got a word from God, if I've got something from heaven, I've got something strong. I can jump on it. It can take some weight. It can take a battle. It can take a knock because I've got a word. I've got something from heaven, and that's what I'm going to declare. This thing might happen, that arrow might be shot, that door might come, but I've got a word. I've got heaven's declaration. I've got heaven's proclamation. And then I'm going to get through. I'm going to get through. I'm going to get through. And what happens is that sometimes what getting through meant, saying something like a divorce or something, nothing's going to make it go away in a day. Nothing's going to, that, those, those things are years. But you know what? I got through this week. I got through that week. I got through a whole month. Wow, I got through six months. Didn't like those six months. It wasn't like they were just on dancing and like a little, you know, but I got through. Wow. It's a year now. I can, wow, maybe there is a bit of a future for me. Instead of just looking back at what's happened to me, maybe there could be some change. Maybe, maybe something good could happen. And you have this faith walk. And all of a sudden you find yourself, I'm not looking here tied to that terrible incident that happened, that unfair thing, that, that horrible thing. I'm now looking forward, walking into the destiny that God has because that's what heaven said. But if I hear it here, I might not yet be experiencing there, but I've got something to hold on to. I've got something to take a step with. I've got something to put my weight upon. A way to have faith and to believe God and to declare it. It doesn't mean that you, you can't say, well, I'm doing it really tough. But, you know, God's getting me through. I've got this scripture. I've got this word. I've got this thing. I've got, I know that God understands me. I know that God isn't banging me for that thing. But even, you know, I'm, I'm just going to get on. I've got a future. I've got a future. See, if you're going through one of those times, you need to hear from heaven. Hear heaven's opinion. Obey what God's asked you to do. And then think about this. God will not ask you to do something that you can't do. He's not going to give you more than what you can bear. He's going to ask you to do what you can do. If someone has a terrible heart attack or something like that, they're not saying, oh, I want you to play football this week. I want you to do a marathon next week. Right? No, I walk this and then I walk that. And look, I ran 50 meters. And as you get better... You start to be able to do more. God's the same. He just asks you to do what you're able to do at that particular time. So I want to say to you this. Declare God's word. Declare God's truth. And declare God's power. If you do that, you create a different future for yourself. So no matter what it is, no matter how hopeless it is today, no matter how helpless you feel today, if you proclaim, if, if, if you listen and obey, you'll end up having a different declaration because it'll be one of hope, it'll be one of a future, it'll be one of change, it'll be one of provision, it'll be one of protection, it'll be one of God is with me, I'm not alone in this. You'll be conspicuous because you'll have a different voice, a different declaration, which is good news which is good news. And you'll be able to say, God's got her. See, the resurrection is the perfect example of that. It was terrible. Jesus was dead. 
They put him in a tomb. It was over. All those things I hoped for, believed for, thought of. But on that third day, he rose up. Resurrection. And when we hear from heaven, what we do is we speak resurrection power into our circumstances. That which is dead is now alive. That's why your mouth is so important. But it starts here. It starts here. I hear, I listen, I obey, and then I declare. I'm not just speaking positively. I'm not just having a a positive speech. I'm actually hearing what God says. So tonight I want you all to close your eyes. And I want you to think of the number one concern that you have right now. The biggest thing that's in your life right now. I'm not going to ask anyone to say to anyone, this is literally between you and God. And maybe if you're so to, if, if this way, that maybe when you get home tonight, maybe just write it down on a piece of paper. Just write to God, write a letter to God. Or maybe you've got your worst fear. I was thinking about it. Maybe it's money. I was thinking as I was praying to, tonight, these are the different things I thought. Some people got a money worry. Some people, it's about a friendship. There's been a friendship that's been fractured, and it's a real deal to you. Some of you, it's a job. For some of you, you're scared of failing an exam and therefore it's like your whole life is ruined if you don't pass that exam. Some of you see the relationship that you're in is just breaking down. Some of you have a son or a daughter that's just not doing well right now. Maybe there's a doctor's diagnosis. Maybe someone who you really care about has made a judgment of you or got an opinion of you that is just not right and it just eats at you and it eats at you and it eats at you. Maybe it's an area of ministry. Maybe it's a, a failure or a sin that you once did that you just, just can't seem to, to, to get over. Just ask the Lord, God, I commit over this next week to place myself in a place where I can hear. That's why I wanted them to sing that song, Waymaker, because he's a waymaker. He's a miracle worker. He's all those things that we sung because we're not asking of an impotent God. We're not asking of a powerless God. We're not asking of someone who has no ability or, or any capacity to bring help or to bring change. We're asking the God who is all-powerful. We're asking the God to whom nothing is impossible. You need heaven's view, heaven's opinion, heaven's what heaven says. Just as Keith just keeps playing. You know, there's some people that what you've got to go through isn't going to happen quickly. It's not going to happen overnight. There's no instant thing. But I want you to think of it as a journey. You're headed somewhere. And you just need a sign to tell you on the right road. It's okay to ask God for that. Because when you get a sign that you're on the right road, peace comes. All fear just drops off. Comfortability comes again. You may not be where you want to be. You may still have some journey to travel, but you know you're on the right road. Hear from heaven so you have that sign. Father, I speak right now. Faith in this room. Holy Spirit, just start to minister to people right now. This week, as they open up their Bibles, oh God, Father, give them a word that's going to bring clarity. Bring them a word that's going to bring peace and joy and and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Let it be that the 
kingdom of God implants itself over that which the world has tried to dominate. Father, the world has come with a doctor's report, where the world has come with a job, where the world has come with a fear. All of a sudden, no, I, I, I superimpose the kingdom of God onto the narrative that the kingdom of the world is trying to put upon me, that I may hear what God is saying. And then, Lord, I'll start to declare it. I'll start to say it. I'll start to believe it, oh God. It won't just be, oh Lord, a positive confession. It won't just be positive speech, oh God. It'll be a declaration, oh God. It'll be making me conspicuous. It will distinguish me, oh Lord, from those around me, oh God. And Father, as people see that answer to prayer, as people see that, that stoicness, as people see that, that faithfulness, oh God, Father, they'll come and they'll say, what is it? How did you get through that? That should have taken you out, but yeah, you just stayed strong. There's something different about you. What is it? And you'll say, it's Jesus. It's heaven. It's the good news of the gospel. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, let this be a year where you train our tongue to speak what our ears have heard. Train our ears to, to hear, to lean into, O oh God, to, to, to seek and, and hear your voice, O oh God, so that we can declare your word over our life, O oh God. Father, that's what we ask, O oh God. Father, you declared things over this church, O oh Lord. Father, different words, even just recently, O oh God saying that we're going to see an increase, oh God. See a growth, oh Lord. See people getting saved, oh God. Father, I declare it tonight, oh God. I'm not going to allow some incident. I'm not going to allow an anecdote here, there to steal away what it is I know that God has said. Because heaven has spoken to my ear. It's gone into my heart. And my spirit is going to walk it out. And my mouth is going to confess it. Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever circumstance, whatever circumstance, oh God, I rebuke hopelessness. I rebuke helplessness. There's not one situation that heaven hasn't got a remedy to, that heaven can't speak hope into, that heaven can't speak resurrection life into. I don't care how dead it is. Resurrection life. I speak in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.